0: Can I ask him, will he commit to raising with the Irish government the need to ensure the fullest possible public access to the papers relating to the Kingsmill murders, and also deliver an effective route by which the families of those who lost loved ones at Ballymurphy can reach some form of closure? Well I thank the the Right Honourable Gentleman and the the, the message that he gives of the the raw pain and emotion that continues to be felt by so many of those affected by the Troubles is one that I equally recognise and see. It is important that we are able to make progress in relation to the Stormont House legacy bodies and we will continue to make representations to the Irish Government over a range of issues and I note the specific point that he has raised with me this morning. Order. Questions to the Prime Minister?
1: Mr Peter Heaton-Jones.
0: Question number one, Mr Speaker.
2: Thank you, Mr Speaker. And I'm sure that the whole House will join me in offering our condolences to the families and friends of those who lost their lives and were injured in the gun attack in Quebec City on on Sunday. And also in paying tribute to our former colleague, Tam Diehl, who died last Friday. He was an outstanding parliamentarian and I'm sure all our thoughts are with his friends and family. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today.
0: Peter Heaton-Jones Thank you, Mr Speaker. I associate myself with the remarks made by the Prime Minister and the tribute paid to the victims in Canada and to the family of Town DL. Uh, Mr Speaker, North Devon is quite rightly concerned that the current review of health services across the county may result in the loss of some acute services at our hospital in Barnstable. For some residents, the nearest alternative could be three hours away. Will my right hon. Friend assure me that she will listen carefully to those concerns, because I want to be able to say to North Devon that we are the party of the NHS?
2: I thank my hon. Friend for his question. I can reassure him that this Government is absolutely committed to ensuring the best possible health care for patients right across the country. I recognise that there are concerns that have been expressed locally about the North Devon District Hospital. I understand that there are no specific proposals at the moment, but I know that the input of local communities will remain crucial throughout the process. And I can assure him that, of course, it is this party in government that is putting in the extra funding into the NHS and showing how we value it.
3: Jeremy Corbyn. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I join the Prime Minister in offering condolences to all those who died in the horrific attack fuelled by hate in Quebec. And I think we should send our solidarity to everyone in Canada on this uh, sad occasion. Mr Speaker, I may also associate myself with the Prime Minister's tribute to the former member for West Lothian and later Lynn Lithgow, Tam Diel. A Labour MP, former father of the House, he doggedly fought to expose official wrongdoing and cover-ups from the miners' strike to Iraq. I am sure that the Prime Minister would agree with me that Tam's scrutiny and contributions made this House a better place. And can I recommend to all members his autobiography, The Importance of Being awkward <laughs> I'm quite happy, Mr Speaker, to uh, offer my copy to the Secretary of State for Brexit to have a good read of it. I'm sure he's probably already read it. Um, Mr Speaker, at last week's Prime Minister's Question Time, um, the Prime Minister told the House, I'm not afraid to speak frankly to the President of the United States. What happened?
2: (laughs) Well... Well, first of all, can I say to the Right Honourable Gentleman that uh, I wasn't aware of the book that he's referred to by uh, Tam Diel, The Importance of Being Awkward, but I suspect, uh, given the number of resignations he's had from his front bench, that some of his colleagues have indeed read that (laughs) 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 book. I will... uh, I... I'm happy to say to the Right Honourable Gentleman that when I visited the United States, I'm pleased to say that I was able to build on the relationship we have with our most important yeah. ally yeah. and to get some very significant commitments from President Trump. And crucial, crucial among those was a 100% commitment to NATO. NATO. Yeah. Yeah. NATO. NATO, which keeps us safe and keeps Europe safe too. Jeremy
3: Corbyn. Mr Speaker, Downing Street has not denied that the Prime Minister was told by the White House that the executive order on travel to the US was imminent. So let's be clear, was the Prime Minister told about the ban during her visit and did she try to persuade President Trump otherwise?
2: First of all, On the policy that uh, President Trump has introduced, this government is clear that that policy is wrong. We, We wouldn't do it. In six years as Home Secretary, I never introduced such a policy. We believe it is divisive and wrong. If he's asking me whether I had advance notice of the ban on refugees, the answer is no. If he's asking me if I had advance notice that the executive order could affect British citizens, the answer is no. If he's asking if I had advance notice of the travel restrictions, the answer is, we all did. Because President Trump said he was going to do this in his election campaign. The question... The question question is how you respond. The job of government The job of government is not to chase the headlines. The job of government. The job of government is not to take to the streets in protest. The job of government is to protect the interests of British citizens, and that's exactly what we did. Mr Speaker,
3: on the day after the executive order was made to ban refugees and visitors from seven predominantly Muslim countries, why did she three times
2: refuse to condemn the ban then? I've made very clear very clear that we believe that this policy is divisive and wrong that it is not a policy that we would introduce and i've also made very clear when asked about this that this government has a very different approach to these issues on refugees this government has a proud record of the support that we have given to refugees and long may it continue enemy corbin mr speaker the prime minister
3: said the united states is responsible for united states policy on refugees But surely it is the responsibility of all of us to defend the 1951 Refugee Convention which commits this country, the United States and 142 other states to accept refugees without regard to their race, religion or country of origin. President Trump has
2: breached that convention. Why didn't she speak out? First of all, I've made absolutely clear what the government's view on this policy is. Secondly, as I've just said, this government has a proud record, and this country has a proud record, of of how it welcomes refugees. We have, over the last recent years, we've introduced the very particular scheme to ensure that particularly vulnerable refugees in Syria can be brought to this country, and something like 10,000 Syrian refugees have come to this country since the conflict began. We are also the second biggest bilateral donor, uh, helping and supporting refugees in the region. That is what we are doing. I have said that the policy is wrong. We will take a different view and we will continue to welcome refugees to this country.
3: Jeremy Corbyn. Mr Speaker, I also wrote to the Prime Minister on this issue and I received her reply this morning. I hold in my hand her piece of paper. She makes no mention of the Refugee Convention nor condemns the US actions in this respect. Mr Speaker, last week I also asked the Prime Minister to assure the House that in any United States trade deal she would not offer up our National Health Service as a bargaining chip. She gave no answer. When asked in the US, she also refused to rule it out. So let's ask her a third time. Will she rule out opening up our National Health Service
2: to private US healthcare companies? Yes or no? Mr Speaker, I could give a detailed answer to the right hon. Gentleman's question, but but I think a simple and straightforward reply is what is required. The NHS is not for sale, and it never will be. (laughs)
3: That includes not having US healthcare companies coming in to run any part of our National Health Service. Mr. Speaker, President Trump has torn up international agreements on refugees. He's threatened to dump international agreements on climate change. He's praised the use of torture. He's incited hatred against Muslims. He's directly attacked women's rights. Just what more does the President Trump have to do before the Prime Minister will listen to the 1.8 million people who've already called for his state visit Im- invitation to be withdrawn?
2: The right honourable gentleman's foreign policy is to object to and insult the democratically elected head of state of our most important ally. Let's just see what he would have achieved in the last week. Would he have been able to protect British citizens from the impact of the executive order? No. Would he have been able to lay the foundations of a trade deal? No. Would he have got a 100 per cent commitment to NATO? No! That's what Labour has to offer this country. Less protection for British citizens, less prosperous, less safe. He he can lead a protest. I'm leading a country.
1: Thank you Mr Speaker.
0: It's, today it is inconceivable that somebody would be prosecuted because of who and what they are. Would my right honourable friend join me in welcoming the posthumous pardon of some 49,000 men thanks to the Government's Turing Bill that was enacted yesterday and encourage those that are still alive to come forward
1: so that their injustices can be overturned?
2: I'm I'm, I'm very happy to join my Honourable Friend in welcoming what I believe is an extremely important change to the law. We made a manifesto commitment to it. We have now delivered on it. And, as I say, passing Turing's law has been a long-standing commitment for the Government. It is momentous. It does take action to right the wrongs of the past. And, like my honourable friend, I would certainly encourage those still alive to apply to the Home Office to have their offences disregarded. Mr.
0: Robertson. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. And we on these benches associate ourselves with all the comments thus far on the tragic deaths in Quebec City and on the passing of... Tandiel. The respect for him was held across the political parties, and he served with great distinction for more than 40 years. Um, The Prime Minister had a very successful international visit in this last week to Ireland, (laughs) and there she spoke publicly about her commitment – and it is very important, I think – this commitment not to have a hard border on these islands that there should continue to be free movement of peoples on these islands and that trade should be protected and enhanced. Uh So given that people will be watching this not just in Britain but also in Ireland, would she take the opportunity now to explain how she will deliver these sensible and important outcomes?
2: These are absolutely the outcomes that we want to see. I was very pleased to meet with the Taoiseach and to discuss with him the joint intent that both his government and mine have to ensure that we don't see a return to the borders of the past in Northern Ireland. And just to to say that, of course, we focus on the land border that that is between Northern Ireland and and the Republic of Ireland. Of course, the issue of movements from Ireland does affect other places as well. It affects ports in Wales and, of course, uh, Stranraer. So it is an important issue for us, and we have agreed the uh, work that we're going to do together to deliver what I believe will be uh, as frictionless as possible a border. Uh, And also, one of the objectives that I set out in my plan for our negotiating objectives is to retain the common travel area. Mr Robertson.
0: We on these benches very much welcome what the Prime Minister has just had to say on all of these issues. And, of course, we also welcome the intensifying of negotiations between the UK Government and the devolved administrations ahead of triggering Article 50. So, the Prime Minister has very helpfully explained that it is perfectly possible for parts of these islands to be in the single market, without hard borders, with free movement of people, and at the same time protect and enhance trade with one another. This is very, very welcome, Mr Speaker. So, Will the Prime Minister give a commitment to work with the Irish Government and a commitment to work with the Scottish Government to deliver all of these things, or will we just have to get on with it ourselves?
2: Well first of all first of all the Right Honourable Gentleman is right that following the meeting of the JAMC plenary Session on Monday morning, we did agree to an intensification of discussion on issues uh, related to the uh, bringing back of powers from Brussels and as to where those powers should uh, lie within the United Kingdom. To intensify that in the run up to the triggering of Article 50 and beyond the triggering of Article 50. And on the other question, I'm afraid, you know, he really should listen to the answers that are given because he's trying to imply something that isn't there. We're very clear. Yes we're very clear that we want to see a frictionless border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. But I'm also clear that one of our objectives of our negotiation is to see as frictionless a border as possible between the United Kingdom and the rest of the European Union. And of course if he's so worried about having a frictionless border between Scotland and countries in the European Union, then he shouldn't want to take Scotland out of the European Union by wanting to see it independent. (laughs)
1: Order, we, we shouldn't have
0: to allow for the reaction to every answer from the SNP benches before we proceed to the next question. Yeah. Mrs. Maria Miller. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. EU nationals provide a vital and expert service in my local hospital in Basingstoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And along with thousands of others, they face an uncertain future. I know this is something the Prime Minister wants to <coughs> give priority to in sorting out. Will we be hearing more about it in the forthcoming white paper? My my right honourable friend makes an important point about EU nationals, and, and I would like just to confirm my intention and expectation that we will be able to offer that reassurance to EU nationals living in the UK, but I do also want to see reassurance offered to UK nationals living in the EU. And I hope and will be working to try to ensure this is a, an issue we can deal with at a very early stage in the negotiations. It was one of the objectives I set out in the plan. It will be referenced in the white paper, which will be published. And I can uh, inform my right honourable friend and the House that that white paper will be published tomorrow.
0: No, 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 no.
2: Prime Minister, Prime Minister, your responses today have
0: been deeply unsatisfactory. The President of the United States has advocated torture, misogyny, racial discrimination, sexual assault, isolationism. The leaders of Canada and Germany were able to respond robustly, but your response was to jump on a plane
1: as soon as possible Hand. Yes. Mr Speaker, doesn't this country deserve a leader who's willing to stand up for British values? Yes. I, I, or, or no, I should say, I have issued no response, and the honourable gentleman not only shouldn't breach parliamentary protocol, but he shouldn't tempt me. The Prime Minister.
2: I'll tell you what standing up for British values is. This, I and this government introduced the first modern slavery act yes. in this country. I ensured that stop-and-search has reduced, because I do not believe that anybody on the streets of this country should be stopped and searched because of the colour of yeah. their skin. Yeah. And I ensure justice for the families of Hillsborough. Yeah. This is Theresa Millian. In light of the fact that most of the countries covered by the Trump ban have a total exclusion on the admission of Israeli citizens, yeah. Yeah. shouldn't the protesters also be calling for that ban to be lifted as well as the one in the other? Well, uh, I thank my right honourable friend for pointing this out. And it is absolutely right uh, that this House should be aware of the discrimination and the ban that exists around the world, as as she refers to, particularly for those who are Israeli citizens. We're consistent with our approach. We don't agree with that that approach. uh, And it's not an approach that we will be taking. And I wait for the day when the right honourable gentleman opposite actually stands up and condemns it too. Chris Elmore.
0: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, my constituent Diana Kendall suffered a bleed on the brain in 2012. She has struggled to work since, but was due to retire in September. Due to government changes to her state pension retirement age, she will now not retire until 2022. This injustice has shortchanged 2.6 million WASPI women and brings shame to this government. Yeah. Yeah. Will the Prime Minister look again and support Diana and support the millions of women who deserve fairness
1: in retirement? The
2: issue of. Uh those who are known, uh, the, the WASPI campaign, just to refer the Honourable Gentleman to the fact that I'm sure that he knows that we did commit over £1 billion to lessen the impact on those worst affected, so no one will see their pension age change by more than 18 months. Um, But there is a wider point here. We do have to be realistic in looking at pension ages about the fact that people are living longer. And if we want to carry on having an affordable and sustainable pension system, then we do need to equalise the state pension age for men and women faster and bring forward the rise. Will
1: Quince, Mr Speaker, I welcome the £450 million announced in the autumn statement to fund a trial for the pilot of the digital railway. Given the new fleet of trains on order and the economic growth opportunity that exists for our region, does the Prime Minister agree with me that the Great Eastern Main Line represents the most compelling case for that pilot? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, uh, my, uh, my hon. Friend is absolutely right in what he says about the importance of transport links for economic growth. I understand that digital signalling could increase capacity on commuter trains by up to 40 per cent, hence the uh, investment he rightly refers to of £450 million pounds for digital signalling trials over the coming years. I know that the Department for Transport is looking currently at where those uh, trials should take place, but we certainly recognise that the Great Eastern Main Line is one of the areas that could benefit from those improvements.
0: John Nicholson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. A few moments ago, the Prime Minister tried to claim credit for passing Stonewall's Turing Bill. She didn't. The Turing Bill pardons all gay men found guilty of crimes no longer on the statute book. So, when will the Prime Minister follow the Scottish Government and pardon
1: automatically the living as well as the dead?
2: it was during my time as Home Secretary that actually the legislation was introduced that gives the opportunity for those who are alive to apply to the Home Office to have those offences that are no longer on the statute book expunged from their record well the the honourable gentleman says they're not doing it. My honourable friend the member for Pudsey and I have both in this chamber today encouraged people to come forward and make that application and I think that's the message we should all give. James Dudridge at the
1: White House. My right honourable Friend uh, gained some assurances from President Trump about his commitment to NATO, an achievement that was welcomed by the governments of the Czech Republic, Latvia, and Lithuania. Does my right honourable friend agree with me um, that the way to engage with President Trump and win such agreements uh, is by not insulting our close ally, uh, but by bringing him close? Uh, not doing as the leader of the opposition uh, demands that we reject our closest ally would this not leave Britain and our European partners less safe and less
2: secure My my honourable friend is absolutely right in the points that he makes Uh, we should never forget that America is our most important ally it is a long standing relationship American men and women served alongside and died alongside uh, UK men and women in two world wars to protect our security and the security of Europe. And if we were not able to have that relationship, if we were not able to see that commitment to NATO particularly, then we would leave this country and Europe less safe.
1: Yeah. Deirdre yeah. Brock. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Yeah, Speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Many were surprised that immediately after those cosy images with Donald Trump, the Prime Minister chose to meet with the Turkish President, who's been running an increasingly repressive regime since the failed coup last summer. Can the Prime Minister confirm whether she raised any human rights concerns with President Erdogan? Or, as we turn our face from Europe, will it be the policy of post-Brexit Britain to put arms deals before human rights abuses? Well, first of all, I think the Honourable Lady should recognise that Turkey is an important country in relations to both our security and the issue of migration uh, uh, into Turkey and potentially into Europe. also recognise uh, is that Turkey has and continues to host 3 million refugees from Syria, and I commended the Turkish Government on the welcome they have given those refugees, Uh, and yes, I did raise, and I suggest to the Honourable Lady, she should have just looked at the press conference that I gave after my uh, discussions with President Erdogan and with uh, Prime Minister Yildirim, in which I made it clear uh, that we had condemned the coup but we also expected the Turkish Government to uh, support its democratic institutions, to support international human rights and the rule of law. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I wholeheartedly congratulate
1: Honourable Friend, in
3: securing 100% for NATO from the new US administration, can my Friend outline what she's doing to persuade our other NATO allies the importance of achieving the NATO right, right. Wales Summit 2014 on their obligations? Oh, very good. Very very good.
2: Very Well, can I first of all thank my Honourable Friend for the work that he does on the NATO Parliamentary Assembly Uh, and I know he's fully engaged with that and he's right there are commitments that have been made at the NATO summit that took place in Wales in 2014. All of our NATO allies committed to spending 2% of their GDP on defence within a decade. We have seen progress, but I agree with President Trump that many allies need to go further, and I can assure my hon. Friend that I, and other ministers across government, raise this issue regularly with our allies and partners, and will continue to do so. Ruth Cadbury. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Last week's London air pollution was worse than that of Beijing's. So will the Prime Minister assure me and my constituents in Austerley, Brentford and Chiswick that the hugely expensive proposal to double the capacity of the M4 as it arrives in London will be shelved forthwith. Ooh. Repeat that. What, uh, what I can assure the honourable lady is that the issue of air quality is one that this government is taking very seriously. A, a quite a lot of work has been done. Since 2011, over £2 billion has been committed to enable, for example, uh, bus operators to upgrade their fleets, to ensure that changes are made to reduce pollution from vehicles such as refuse trucks and fire uh, fire engines. But we do recognise that more needs to be done. We have seen a reduction in nitrous oxide from some 17 per cent in recent years, but we will be bringing forward proposals to ensure that we can maintain uh, uh, the air quality that we all want to see. Richard Bennion. As a a fellow Berkshire Member of
0: Parliament, will my right honourable friend show her support for Brighter Berkshire, the campaign
3: as part of the 2017 year of mental health, and give her continued commitment to ensure that we have parity between mental health and physical health in this country?
2: I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to uh, endorse the campaign and, and the, uh, that my hon. Friend has referred to. I think it is important that we continue to raise the awareness of the issues around mental health and the fact that the Government has committed to this parity of esteem between mental health and physical health is important. There is more for us to do on mental health. I have already set out some steps we want to take, but I commend all those who are working to raise the awareness of the issue of mental health and provide support to those with mental health problems.
0: Stephen Hepburn. The Association of Directors
1: of Adult Social Services have said that £4.6 has been cut from social care budget since 2010. Does the Prime Minister take any responsibility for the pain and the distress that the Tories have inflicted on poor, vulnerable old people being denied? The
2: rightful care, yes or no? This government has taken a number of steps to increase the funding that is available for local authorities to provide for social care. I also believe that it is important that we do ensure that best practice is being developed and put into place across the country. There are some parts of the country where the record on social care is and the interaction with hospitals is better than in others, but there is a longer-term issue. There's a longer-term issue for us to ensure that we have a sustainable system for delivering social care for people in this country. the Labour Party du- ducked that issue for 13 years. We're addressing it. Andrea Jenkins. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Will my Right Honourable Friend join me in congratulating the Morley Academy on their recently received World Class Schools Quality Mark Award, and indicate how awards such as these drive pupil excellence? I am very happy to join my Honourable Friend in congratulating the whole team at Morley Academy on receiving this, uh, this award. I think it shows the work that the Gorse Academies Trust is doing in driving up excellence and improving outcomes for pupils we're determined to drive up standards in schools to ensure that more children have good school places, a good school place for every child uh, so they can all be at the sort of level that we see in the Morley Academy.
3: Mr Damien Winnie, How will the thousands of people who lost their jobs at British home stores feel that it may take years
1: before the case of Philip Green, the disgraced, totally discredited and disgraced business person, will uh, have uh, his knighthood possibly withdrawn, uh, taken away or otherwise. Isn't it remarkable? People lose their jobs, they suffer all the consequences, and this man keeps
2: his billions and his knighthood. The, the, the honourable gentleman has raised an important issue, and this has been raised by many members of this House in terms of their concern about what happened at BHS and the, the, uh, what, the attitude and the approach that Philip Green took. The issue of whether a knighthood should be taken away from somebody is a matter for the uh, relevant... There's a committee that deals with it, whose name I have forgotten. They will be looking at this. I understand that they have said that they're waiting for the investigations to complete, but that this is an issue which is a matter for an independent committee, and it's up to them how they look at this.
1: Mr Peter bone. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Tonight, there will be a historic vote in this place. A vote that I never thought I would see in my political lifetime. The British Parliament voting to withdraw from
3: the uh, the European Union under the excellent leadership of the Prime Minister. Though, sir, would the Prime Minister be surprised that
1: people on the opposite bench who demand time to discuss this and debate it, namely the Liberal Democrats, didn't even bother to turn up last night? These benches are packed. The benches were packed, the DUP were here, and there were some Labour
3: members. Isn't that surprising?
2: I've, um, throughout my political career, I have fought Liberal Democrats, and nothing that the Liberal Democrats do ever surprises me. <laughs> But I will join my honourable friend in commending the bill that is before the House. This House has a very simple decision to take. We gave the right of judgment on this issue to the British people. They made their choice. They want to leave the EU. The question every member must ask themselves as they go through the lobbies tonight is do they trust the people? Yeah. Well, the, the Right Honourable Gentleman's here now. Let's hear the fella.
1: Yeah. David have guessed it, Mr. Speaker? Um, we are, we are here, we are here now, and asking, 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 asking the questions, asking the questions about the future of our country on Brexit that a strong leader of the opposition should be asking. So, the Prime Minister. Mr. Knight, I'm very worried about you. You recently suffered from a bad leg. With all that shouting, you'll be suffering from a bad head. Calm yourself, man. Tim Barron. The Prime Minister will return. The Prime Minister will return. The Prime Minister will return at some point with a deal with Europe that our people will have to live with for decades to come, especially our young people, 73% of whom voted to remain. Nobody knows what that deal will look like, but someone, someone will get to agree it. Should it be her government? Should it be this parliament? Or should it be,
2: as I believe, the British people? I have already said that there will be a vote on the deal in this Parliament.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Calm yourself. You are in a, a state of excessive excitement,
1: Mr Sherbrooke, even by your standards. Nigel Adams. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Quite difficult to follow that, uh, Mr. Speaker. <laughs> Back in the real world. Um, <laughs> In December, in December 2015, uh, my constituency suffered some terrible flooding, uh, particularly the town of Tadcaster, and the damage was made worse when the bridge collapsed, separating, separating the town. Thankfully, the bridge will be reopened, hopefully, this week. I knew I knew. Will, will the Prime Minister join me in thanking all those who have been involved in the restoration of the bridge? But most importantly, would she join me in thanking the residents of Tadcaster, who have had a terrible year?
2: Yes. I am very happy to join my hon. Friend both in commending and thanking all those who have worked so hard to see the restoration of the bridge at Tadcaster, but also, as he says, the people of Tadcaster who have had to put up with this disruption and this inconvenience for such a long period of time. I am sure they will all welcome uh, the, the return of the bridge, and uh, as I say, we commend all those who have been involved in ensuring that that is happening.
1: John Woodcock. Thank you, Mr Speaker.
0: The news revealed yesterday that Toshiba is reviewing its investment in the Moorside nuclear power nuclear power plant not only puts a huge question mark over the 21,000 jobs in Cumbria but also over the future of our nation's energy security. What will she do? personally to make sure that this deal stays on track?
2: I, I can assure the Honourable Gentleman that in relation to a number of uh, deals and potential deals around the nuclear industry both I and the Business Secretary are involved in these and are very keen to ensure that these, uh, that these jobs are brought to the United Kingdom and that we do see these deals uh, keeping on track. So I can assure him that the Government's commitment is there. Jim
1: Churchill. Thank
2: you. Yeah. Thank you, Mr Speaker. This week, the Danish drug firm Novo Nordisk invested $115 million in the UK in order to further research into type 2 diabetes. Would the Prime Minister join me in welcoming the investment? welcoming those academics and scientists many from the EU and around the world who will appreciate that assurity she spoke of earlier, but also work with me to make sure that any innovations and new treatments get to patients as quickly as they can. Well, As as my honourable friend will probably understand, this is an issue that I do uh, uh, recognise particularly personally although I'm a type 1 diabetic rather than type 2. But any money, any uh, investment in research for diabetes I think is to be welcomed and we do need to ensure that where there are Uh, new solutions found where there is new support for diabetics found uh, that we see that uh, getting to people as quickly as possible. There is a significant number of people uh, suffer from type 2 diabetes in this country and the figures show that there is a very great risk that that number will in, in, uh, increase significantly in coming years. We need to do all we can to prevent people uh, from uh, becoming type 2 diabetics in the first place, but also to support those who are, so that we see that people suffer from fewer complications in future and are unable to manage their lives.
0: Mina
1: Ahmed Sheikh.
0: Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Today is uh, World Hijab Day, and I wonder if the Prime Minister would join with me in recognising the right of Muslim women to wear hijab if they wish without fear and indeed the right of all women everywhere to wear what they want when they want. Um, And will the Prime Minister also commit to standing up for the right to refuge for men, women and children wherever they may be regardless of their religion?
2: Well, First of all, on the second point that the uh, Honourable Lady raises it is absolutely the case that this country welcomes refugees to the United Kingdom and we do so regardless of their religion. There is no question of discriminating on the religion. On the issue that she raises about the wearing of the hijab, I'm absolutely in line with her. I believe that what a woman wears is a woman's choice. Sir
3: Julian Brazier. Mr Speaker, the Russian armed forces regularly carry out large-scale exercises including with nuclear capable equipments on the borders of Eastern Europe. Would my right honourable friend agree with me that the American commitment to NATO is absolutely pivotal in protecting the countries of Eastern Europe from going the same way as as already has happened to Eastern Ukraine?
2: I absolutely agree with my honourable friend. I think the commitment that President Trump has given 100% commitment to NATO is uh, is crucial in ensuring that we can provide uh, for the security of this country and others in Europe, and particularly for those in Eastern Europe on the borders with Russia. Uh, I noted my honourable friend, uh, one of my honourable friends earlier, referred to the fact that the Czech Republic, uh, the Latvian government, the Lithuanian government had uh, welcomed that 100% commitment. And I'm pleased to say that we are playing our part And something like 800 troops this year will be going to Poland and Estonia as a sign of NATO's strength and our belief in in maintaining those countries in free and democratic. Finally, Naz Shah. Thank you. In 2015, my constituent Samia Shahid was lured to her death to Pakistan, where she was brutally raped and murdered. Will the Prime Minister join me? in reiterating the commitment of this House and this con- country that we will not tolerate violence against women and to encourage the Pakistani government to continue in its efforts for justice for our British girl, Samia Shahid. Yeah. Well, uh, yes. Yes, can I, can I say to the Honourable Lady that obviously she has raised a very tragic case that has taken place, and our deepest sympathies are with uh, Samia's husband following her tragic death last year. Um, we don't interfere in the legal processes of another country, but the Foreign Office, uh, from, I understand from the Foreign Office, the Pakistani police have arrested two people and charged them with murder. The Foreign Office have provided assistance to Samia's husband and will continue to do so. I'm sure they'll keep the Honourable Lady informed, and I understand that the Home Secretary will be meeting the Honourable Lady soon to discuss this issue. Order.